You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this episode is sponsored by Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. What sets Vionic Shoes apart is that they are not only adorable, they are incredibly comfortable and designed with support in mind. As an almost 40-year-old mom, I need that. I'm young enough to care about looking at least somewhat fashionable, but old enough to not care enough to wear uncomfortable stuff anymore. Luckily, Vionic makes it possible for me to have both top-notch style with top-notch comfort. When I was first deciding which Vionic boots to order for fall, I texted my sisters for their opinion, because duh, the sisters have to weigh in. And my especially fashionable younger sister immediately said, go with the Brighton boots in black, they are adorable. That's the way I was already leaning, so I was grateful for her enthusiastic encouragement, and I have to say that I have loved the Brighton boots. I get so many compliments, and best of all, my feet don't hurt after a day of wear. I really appreciate that Vionic offers a 30-day money-back guarantee because shopping online, you can never be totally sure something's going to fit right. Vionic promises that you can wear them and love them or return them for a full refund within 30 days. If you want to try Vionic shoes, use code 3 in 30 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's code 3in30 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at V-I-O-N-I-C shoes.com when you log into your account. One-time use only at Vionic Shoes. Welcome to 3in30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom. Someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. This episode is a special and personal one. It is all about my mental health journey my experiences with depression and anxiety, and what has helped me over the past 15 years or so. This conversation is actually a recording of an Instagram Live I did back in September with two of my friends who are powerful mental health advocates, Cheryl Cardall and Ember Pilati. By way of introduction, Cheryl Cardall is a parenting coach and a mom of five children ages 13 to 24, several of whom have had significant mental health challenges, which led to her interest in mental health advocacy work. She has become a fearless champion of mothers who have kids who struggle with mental health or who struggle with mental health themselves, or both. She hosts a podcast called Fight Like a Mother, which aims to provide educational resources and non-judgmental support for parents who are fighting for their children who have additional needs. Amber Pilati is a life and relationships coach, a podcaster, and a mother of five whose mission is to help women flourish in their lives and relationships, even when they love someone who struggles with mental health. She knows personally the toll that mental health challenges can have on a family, but she believes that with the right tools and support, you can emerge empowered from even the toughest battles. That's the name of her podcast, Emerge Empowered, and she offers lots of tools, support, and encouragement there. This year, Cheryl and Ember partnered with NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, to plan the Fight Like a Mother conference which happened in Utah in September. This in-person event featured 10 world-class speakers on mental health and brought together individuals who care about the emotional well-being of families. I'm so incredibly proud of Cheryl and Ember, 
and you can follow them to learn about any of their future events and offerings. I'll link to both of their podcasts in the show notes. This Instagram Live that I did with them was part of their promotion for the Fight Like a Mother conference. They reached out to online educators who they knew care about mental health, that's me, and invited us to share a bit about our experiences and insights. I, of course, had to bring three takeaways, and I'm so grateful they're allowing me to re-air that conversation here on my podcast so all of you can listen as well. Because this was recorded on Instagram, the audio is far from perfect, but I hope the key takeaways will come through loud and clear. I also wanted to add that everything I share here is my personal experience. I am not a doctor, a therapist, or an expert of any kind. You may have a very different experience with mental health and very different opinions about what works and what has helped you, and that is wonderful. I'm just sharing my takeaways in hopes that they might encourage someone who's in a difficult place and is not sure where to start. There is hope, my friends, no matter where you are mentally, and I hope that this conversation will communicate that message. So with no further ado, here's my Instagram live conversation with Ember Pilati and Cheryl Cardall. We're so thrilled to have you, Rachel, and we love your podcast. You just are a powerful force for good. So thanks for joining us. Well, I'm super passionate about mental health, and I'm so grateful to you for the work that you're doing and for the conference that you're putting on in Utah and bringing together so many powerful speakers and talking on the topic of mental health. I think it's just invaluable. So I'm happy to be here today talking to you a little bit more. Thank you so much. Well, let's just kind of dive into your thoughts about this. I know you had some thoughts and will you just share those with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I offered to bring three takeaways about ways that I've supported my mental health. Mm -hmm. I thought that I would just start with myself mm -hmm. and make it personal and then Hopefully anybody listening can take or leave what works or doesn't work for them. But I think it's just helpful to hear personal experiences from people that have been there. I feel like I have struggled with mental health my whole life, but I didn't realize it until I was in my 20s. Like looking back, I'm like, oh, it's not normal for you to be that anxious as a child and to like pull out your hair at night and like have one side of your hair be shorter than the other side because of all your nervousness and anxiety. and it's not normal to have really dark periods of depression when you're a teenager. I mean, I think all teens have ups and downs, but this was more than that. But I think there just wasn't the awareness for mental health when I was growing up. And my parents knew I was a worrier. They knew I would get in these melancholy funks, but I didn't realize like, oh, there's help for this until... I was quite a bit older. When I was in college, I developed an eating disorder from just like intense perfectionism. And even then I didn't get professional help. It was when I became a mother that I realized that these eating disorder behaviors that had persisted, there were times when I kind of got them under control for a couple of years. But when I became a mother, it all came to the forefront again. And I just realized that this was no longer just impacting me. This was impacting my new baby and my husband. And that's when I finally decided to get help for mental health. So I'll just jump in with my first takeaway on right. what I did to get help and feel free to interrupt me anytime and add your thoughts and your insights. I know you are both a wealth of knowledge. So the very first thing that I did to support my mental health was go to therapy. And I highly, highly recommend therapy to anybody, really anybody. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, 
But especially if you feel like you are struggling, like you have spinning thoughts that you can't figure out why you can't get out of these funks or these these low points that you're in. You just need some tools and some outside perspectives. I think I thought going to therapy for a lot of years because I have really good friends and sisters. And so I would say, like, I don't need to go talk to a therapist. I can just talk to my sisters. And that was true that I could talk to them about anything. But a therapist is outside of your life. They're outside of your situation. They're not emotionally, personally invested. And they have a lens. They're kind of like above your situation where they can maybe give you insight and perspective that somebody that's really close to you can't. And not only that, but they have an education. They have tools that they can teach you and skills that they can teach you that even the best listener may not have. And I found that I was much more honest with my therapist. I could share what I considered worst parts of myself even more freely because they were so removed from my life than I might have been willing to share even with my best friends and my girlfriends. And so the first time I went to therapy, it was with an eating disorder specific therapist and it changed my life to start on that path of going to therapy. That's awesome. I love going to therapy. I always feel lighter when I leave. Oh, yes. It's such a great description of how it feels. And I think you bring up a really good point. As much as we need support from family and friends, a therapist has tools. And I like to say that we're not going to pull any tools out of our toolbox that we don't have. And a therapist can help us acquire those tools. And the best well-meaning friends or family may or may not have those tools to teach us, you know? So I think you could bring up a really good point. Yeah. And I think because I'm so vocal about my love of therapy, a lot of people ask me, how do you find a good therapist? Mm -hmm. If you want to get started, how do you do that? So I thought I'd just spend a minute here kind of talking about that, my advice for that. So we live in a day and age where there's a lot of options for therapy, which is wonderful. And a lot of options for online therapy which can be really nice because you don't have to leave home. You can just do it from your house. And you also don't have to overthink the process of finding a therapist, which for a lot of people, especially if you are struggling mentally, you do not have the emotional and mental capacity to call 55 places and see if they're accepting new patients and to try to find the perfect fit. So I do think that services like BetterHelp, which is one of my podcast sponsors, can be a blessing for people that just want to get started soon and not overthink it. Mm-hmm. But if you are hesitant, the online therapy thing seems a little impersonal to you, or you're just not sure, like, am I really going to be matched with someone great from that? And you want to find someone in person, my advice is to first just ask friends, family, church leaders, if they've had a good experience in therapy and who they went to see. If you have a friend that's been open about going to therapy and has talked about it, that's a good sign. That's a good person to start with. Mm-hmm. And then I also think just Googling the name of your town. And then if you know a specific type. So like for me, I had read a book called Intuitive Eating And I knew that it was used a lot in eating disorder therapy. And so I was living in Denver at the time and I just Googled Denver intuitive eating therapists. And there's like five that came up and I went and read their websites. And I just picked one that I felt a connection when I read the website and they did like a 15 minute 
free call where you could kind of meet the counselor and get a feel. I did that and I liked her and I just decided to go for it. So I think psychology today, also you can go and like put in your zip code and it'll show you the therapist in your area and who's accepting new patients. On all you can put in specific things with psychology today too. Like if you're looking mm-hmm. one for your teens or, you know, like you said before, put in specific keywords so that those specific things come up. Yes, well. absolutely. And I have done this for friends too. So another thing that you can do is if you are really struggling, you have that sister or that friend that you talk to, you could say to them, can you help me find a therapist? And because yeah. they may be in a better mental place than you are. And I have done that for some of my girlfriends that have told me, I, I don't even know where to start. I'm like, well, let me start for you. And so I go to psychology today and I put in their zip code and I kind of vet a few and then I send them like two options. Um, I've even called doctor's offices and said, before I pass you along to my friend, are you accepting new clients? So if you can find somebody in your life to help you find a therapist, I think that can be a huge step forward in your mental health journey. Yeah. Our first therapist was referred by our pediatrician. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're looking for your kids, go to your pediatrician. They are much more versed on mental health these days than they have been previously Mm -hmm. because they know how much kids need the help. So. Yeah, doctors can be a great resource. I love you bring up the point too, that sometimes when you are struggling with mental health, it can be overwhelming to try to look for a therapist. And another thing that has helped me is to think, we're just trying them out, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to just try this therapist out for a few sessions. Maybe it's that I commit to six or eight sessions. And if it's a good fit, I will continue. And if not, I think a lot of people just give up altogether after that would mm-hmm. really just try another therapist and mm-hmm. see what might be a better fit if you don't feel like it's benefiting you in the way that you had hoped. So yeah. I think having both of those things in mind, finding someone else to help you find one if you need to, and then not being afraid to try something different. And the therapist yeah. will not be offended if it's not a click. They want a fit. They want it to be a fit mm-hmm. too, because they know it won't be effective if it's not. So yeah. And if they are offended, they're not the right one. (laughs) Yeah. And and I often tell people, give it time because it will feel awkward at first, Mm -hmm. but not too much time. Mm -hmm. If after three sessions, you're really not feeling it with this person, it's probably okay for you to move on. But if that first session feels really hard for you, of course it does. It's Mm -hmm. starting something new, revealing yourself, like, that's awkward, but that give it a hard. little bit yeah. of time. But then if it's not a fit, then try someone else. I'm so glad, Ember, you said, don't just give up on therapy altogether just because yeah. the first one wasn't a great fit for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen a number of therapists over the last 10 years and they've all richly blessed my life. But it's like, I see one for a few months or even like up to a year. And then I kind of feel like I've gotten what I mm-hmm. needed to get from that person. And I feel like I'm in a pretty good place and I stop and then Maybe six months later, I notice I'm struggling again and I might try a different therapist, you know? So I feel like it doesn't mean you're going to be in therapy forever. You will know when you're ready to take a little break and when you need to go back. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really beautiful part of my life. Yeah. And not feeling any guilt or shame that you need to go back. Because I know a lot of people feel like I need to just go and be done. That, That mental health is an ongoing thing. So it's okay that in certain periods of our life, we just need more help and more support. That's okay. So it's not like, oh, I have to go back. It's I get to go back. And my mental health is important enough that I will go back. 
Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This episode is sponsored by TN Dickinson's 100% Natural Clinical Grade Witch Hazel. The first time I ever remember hearing about witch hazel was when I saw some witch hazel infused wet wipes on the back of my mom's toilet when I was a kid. I wasn't sure what that was about, but now that I am a grown-up, boy do I understand. Witch hazel is naturally soothing and healing, and women have been using it for centuries to help with irritation in their sensitive areas. But did you know that beyond gently soothing in those private areas, Tian Dickinson's witch hazel products can easily be incorporated into daily skin cleansing and first aid? I can't wait to try Tian Dickinson's moisturizing astringent, which is formulated with hyaluronic acid and aloe to hydrate and soothe skin while cleansing. This product is perfect for dry, sensitive, irritated skin for everyone in the family. Tian Dickinson's products are available on Amazon and at major retailers, including Walgreens, Walmart, Target, CVS, and Rite Aid. Just be sure to look for the brand name Tian Dickinson's, as they are the only all-natural clinical-grade witch hazel on the market that cleanses, soothes, and treats just about anything, and is gentle enough to use daily. That's TN Dickinson's for all your witch hazel products, T-N-D-I-C-K-I-N-S-O-N-S. This podcast is also sponsored by Copilot, one-on-one fitness coaching with personalized workouts and accountability. Friends, in this episode, we're talking about mental health, and you just heard me talk about my experience with an eating disorder in my 20s. That is why I am incredibly careful about the companies I partner with if they have anything to do with health and wellness. I do not believe in diets, and I will never partner with a company that I feel is preying on women's insecurities about their bodies or making them feel like they need to look a certain way in order to be good and worthy. I also know that health is important, and as I'm getting older, I feel a deep desire to care well for my body and keep it strong and functional so I can hopefully live a vibrant, active life with my family for many decades to come. That's why I'm excited to partner with Copilot, a company that provides one-on-one remote fitness coaching for individuals all over the world through an incredible and personalized app. When you sign up for Copilot, you share a bit about your health and fitness goals, and they match you with a real personal trainer who you do a virtual welcome call with. I requested a trainer who would be respectful of my history with eating disorders and who was ideally familiar with intuitive eating and the health at every size movement. And they matched me with Lily, who has been incredible. During our first virtual meeting, I talked to her about my desire to build strength and mobility to support my body as it ages, and I felt so heard and supported. Together, we set some simple health goals, and she created some home workouts for me and uploaded them to the Copilot app. In this app, I'm able to track my progress and communicate with her through messaging if I have questions or need encouragement. So far, it has been such a positive and supportive fitness experience for me, and I'm excited to share this resource with the mothers who listen to 3 and 30. Copilot offers accountability, flexibility, and affordability for people who want to take their health seriously but may feel intimidated by either the experience or the cost of traditional personal training. If you've been feeling the desire to set personal health goals but you haven't known where to start, I'd love for you to follow my lead to get fit and feel fabulous, however that looks for you. Give Copilot a try to find out why it was listed by Forbes as the top-rated personal trainer app of 2023. Head to go.mycopilot.com slash 3in30 to get a 14-day free trial with your own personal trainer. That's go.mycopilot.com slash 3in30 to get a free 14-day trial with your very own personal trainer. Take a back seat and let Copilot help you reach your fitness goals. 
So that's my first takeaway is therapy. And then my second major thing that I've done for myself is that I take medication and I want to normalize that. And so that's why I want to talk openly about it. I remember when my son was a toddler and I had already been going to therapy and was doing much better, but I had a severe bout of anxiety that like I couldn't eat. I was throwing up every morning from anxiety. I lost like 15 pounds in a month. And a friend of mine mentioned, have you ever thought of trying medication? And I was terrified. Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I have thought about it, but what if that means I have to take it forever? And what if it has bad side effects? And am I weak if I take medication? I mean, I remember crying talking to this friend about it. And she was like, Rachel, it is okay if you need to take medication. I didn't. I still fought it. And then a few years later, after my daughter was born, my postpartum anxiety was so scary that it was like I was more scared of my anxiety than I was of the medication at that point. Like it totally changed the switch for me where I called my doctor and said, can you please put me on medication? Like there was no more fighting it anymore. And I know that this isn't the case for everyone, but for me, I felt better really quickly. And I know sometimes people have to try a lot of different medications. And so I don't want to give anybody false hope with that. Mm -hmm. But I also want to share my experience of, you know, they say it can take up to six weeks. But for me, it was much faster than that, that I felt like myself again. It wasn't like medication was this magical happy pill that like took away all the hard things in life, you know, but I felt like, oh, I'm me again. And now I can actually access the tools that I've been learning in therapy. It brought me back to baseline where I was like, I still have struggles. I still have anxiety, but I can handle it because I am myself again. And this medication has helped me get back to myself again. And so I've had a really positive experience taking medication for anxiety. My anxiety and depression kind of go hand in hand, but I think primarily I struggle more with anxiety and I've gone off of it at times. And I think in my mind, I've been like, I don't want to be on this forever. Like that would be bad, you know? And so I kind of forced myself to go off of it and I'll be fine for a little while. And then sure enough, I made a really hard place again. Winter is really hard for me. We have like six months of winter here. And I've just realized one of my counselors said to me once, it's so much easier to put out a little smoldering fire than like a forest fire. Yeah. She's like, so you go off your medication and then you wait until it's a raging forest fire. And then we have to try to get it back under control. She's like, when you're on your medication, your anxiety is like a manageable little ember. It's still there, but it's not a raging forest fire. Yeah. And so I've had my medical and mental health professionals just encourage me, like, there's nothing wrong with taking medication and you can adjust dosages and continue to do all of the other things, the holistic exercise, prayer, journaling, all of it helps. Right. But you don't need to feel ashamed for taking this medicine that helps you a lot. So that's where I am right now. I love that. One thing you said really struck me is that it gets you to a place where you can utilize the tools in therapy. Because I totally get that. When you said that, it so resonated with me because I've been so down before. Like getting out of bed is a monumental thing. And so being able to utilize anything else, it feels impossible. 
But medication, like you said, it can just bump you up enough that you can start utilizing those other tools. I love it. And I love Glennon Doyle's little saying. She says, I know Jesus loves me so because he gave me Lexapro. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love, Rachel, that you're so vulnerable and candid about that. Just, I think we need to normalize it a little bit more. Yeah. I know I suffered with postpartum depression and you mentioned a common fear that I see in my clients and that I have experienced. And that is, well, I have to be on it forever. And I think that's a very common fear, but when you see the benefits and that they outweigh your concerns, I think it makes it easier. And when you see the difference, and I think one other thing is to listen to the people around you. When I was deep in postpartum depression and it wasn't presenting itself in sadness, but in anger, Mm. which I didn't register on any test. I didn't, you know what I mean? I did did not show up on any of the mental health evaluations, but it really was postpartum depression. Listen to the people around you because my closest people to me were like, I just want you to be able to be happy again. Like, we just want you back. You know what I mean? And sometimes you're so far under that you don't realize that you're so far under, right? And and so taking some feedback while it might be uncomfortable and being like, oh, wow, (laughs) that's a lot of feedback. But listening to the people around you saying, maybe you need some more help and more support. I love that medication is available. It's blessed our family in so many ways, multiple people in our family. And we don't even call it medication. We call it vitamins because it's actually like what we need, you know, helping our bodies have what they don't have. Yeah. Our family benefits from it too. So I think as we're more open and vulnerable with it, I think other people will be like, oh, look, I would like to try it or, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no shame in it. So Mm -hmm. I love that funny saying, like Glennon Doyle, that you shared, Cheryl, that God loves me so because he gave me Lexapro. And I know that's tongue in cheek, but also I'm a religious person. And there were times when I felt like, shouldn't I just be able to pray hard enough? Uh-huh. I had a very strong feeling that I believe was God talking to me that medication, doctors, modern medicine is from God. Right. And I could be helped by praying and reading my scriptures. And I could be helped by medication. Right. And helped by therapy that this was all part of like an answer to my prayers because I had been praying for relief and it's like I'm sending you release in all of these different forms and so that has helped me as a religious person I feel really strongly that it's been a gift in my life yeah I love that well thank you for sharing that that's so important I think so too and I think the biggest thing is that you're saying this is part of a big Mm -hmm. picture this is Mm -hmm. part of a holistic approach that all these things might be necessary and that one thing might not be the end all be all, but mm-hmm. this holistic approach that I'm going to approach my mental health from different angles yes. and get myself the support that I need in all these ways. And that yeah. one thing may not solve it, but yeah. many things will help support. Yeah. Which is a really great lead. And actually to my last takeaway of the things that helps me with my mental health, and that is just slowing down. Even with therapy and medication, I still get in periods of extreme anxiety where I'm really struggling. And when I look at my life, it's often during the times when I have packed it so full 
that mm-hmm. I don't even have a chance to be myself, to breathe, to rest, to sleep, to go for walks, to lay on my bed and read a book or scroll my phone right. or just be a human. I need that in order to be doing well mentally. And so that's just a little reminder to me that you can be doing the medical things to get the help you need. And it can be helping you a lot, but you could still struggle if you don't respect what your soul needs. And what most people's soul needs is a little bit of space to be a human. Yes. I love that. I think it's so true. So true. And it's not something that our society praises or promotes. And so it feels like you're going against the norm. But I love that you bring that up because we do, we, we need to nourish our souls and that includes slowing down. And in a society that praises busyness and productivity at the expense of our well-being, right? In all honesty, that that's not healthy, even though that's what we're surrounded with. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of courage to say, actually, I'm going to slow down. Yeah, it does. And I am going to lay on my bed and read a book. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. I'm going to go for a walk and be able to be brave enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Rest is productive because it allows us to function better, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't even have to label it as productive because we need rest as much as productivity. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but I love that, Cheryl, for somebody that has a high value for productivity to, mm-hmm. to try to reframe and realize that rest is productivity. I know I recently saw Monica Packer shared that one of her followers had given her this mantra of being present is being productive. Yes. And that she's held on to that. Like she had a brand new baby when she got that advice. And it's true. Like this is productive. What makes you think that what you're sitting here doing isn't quote productive. You're being present with your child. You're being present with yourself. And that is productive. So it's a good reminder and lesson for me because honestly, it doesn't come that naturally to me. And sometimes I think I can use the first two things, therapy and medication, as a bit of a crutch. Like maybe if I have those two things, then I can just pack everything into my life and be as busy as possible and not take room and space for me and I'll be fine. And you can't just pop a pill. Like you have to take care of your soul too. And that's what leads to good mental health. And I'm all about the medicine and the therapy. Mm -hmm. I use both. Mm -hmm. But you also have to have space for your soul to breathe. Well, I love these takeaways. They're so important to get that message out. And we're just so thankful that you've been willing to chat with us. And we just want to let your community members know that we have a mental health conference on September 16th called the Fight Like a Mother Mental Health Conference. So we would love your listeners who are in Salt Lake Valley to attend in person. We are going to have some recordings after the conference for people who aren't in Utah to participate as well. All right. Great. Well, I wish I lived in Utah. I would be there in a hurry. Oh, but <laughs> we wish you did too, but we're so grateful. I'll be there in spirit. And I, but I think it's so awesome that you put this together. So thank you. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much. Yes, thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge with us today. As always, over-delivered. And we just appreciate all that you do and the goodness that you share. Well, there you have it, my friends. Three tools that have helped me with my own mental health. And remember, these tools are totally personal to me, but maybe they'll give you a starting place if you need support in your journey. By way of recap, here are my three best tools. First, therapy. Even if you have supportive family and friends to talk to about your struggles, a professionally trained counselor might be helpful to you because they're removed from your situation 
and they can teach you therapeutic tools and strategies that your family members might not know. To find a good therapist, you can utilize an online service like BetterHelp, which has been a longtime sponsor of my podcast, and I'll put the information for them in the show notes. Or if you prefer something in person, you can ask friends, family, religious leaders, or doctors for recommendations, or just start Googling or searching on the website Psychology Today. And don't get discouraged if your first few appointments with your therapist feel awkward. Give it time, but not too much time. If your therapist still doesn't feel like a good match after about three to four visits, try someone else. It's worth it to be persistent until you find the person who can really support you. My second tool is medication. Medication doesn't take away all of my problems or hard emotions, but it has definitely helped me get to an emotional baseline where I feel more like myself again. It's gotten me out of a deep pit of despair so I can even access the tools I've learned in counseling. I try to do all the other things too, exercise, prayer, journaling, quality nourishment, neurofeedback, self-care, and of course therapy, but medicine has been a foundational part of my holistic mental health journey. And the third tool that has helped me so much is slowing down. Even when I'm going to therapy and taking my medication, when my life gets too frantic, my mental health suffers. This is a very obvious pattern in my life, so even though I love to be productive, I often have to remind myself that it is vital to my emotional well-being that I allow myself time and space to just be. I'm giving you permission to do the same if this is something you struggle with, because being present is being productive. We're actually going to have a great bonus episode on Thursday that builds on that topic, all about the real meaning of self-care, so come back and tune in for that. No matter where your personal mental health is right now, please know that I am rooting for you, and I truly hope the takeaways in today's episode will help you. Hang in there, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family. Your family.